Well, you're in on the ground floor of our 2023 kickoff series called 40 Days in the Word. It is the biggest thing that we will uh, be doing all year. Uh, And I believe this 40 Days in the Word journey has the potential to be life changing. We're going to pray about that in just a moment. But I think it has the potential to be life-changing. We're going to learn how to love the Word, how to learn the Word, and how to live the Word of God like we never have before. Now, if that's new to you, money-back guarantee, if you participate in this, something will happen in you. That's not my promise. That's God's promise that says, my Word, which goes forth from my mouth, will accomplish exactly what I want it to Accomplish. Now, there's three components in this series, right? That's going to bring about the growth and transformation we're all looking for. The first is the Sunday sermons. That's what you're doing now. Uh, the Sunday is when I put you to sleep, right? You're familiar with that part. But then the second component is the small group component. This is where we learn from one another. There is uh, extra video material, teaching material. Uh, we'll, we'll sharpen one another in our pursuit of Jesus. Matter of fact, leaders, uh, you need to make sure that you're picking up uh, workbooks and devotionals for your entire group today. Wednesday table leaders, make sure you pick up a book today as well so you can look through it and you are in the know of how that book functions and and all that goes with it. And then that last component is our daily devotional. Uh, If you join a group, we are giving you the daily devotional for free. Now listen, you're going to need to invest in yourself in 2023 if you want this to be different than 2022. Right? If you want to step into the person God is calling you to be, you're going to need to partner with him in what he's doing. And so one of the ways that we can do that is by getting involved in a group. You'll have an opportunity to sign up after the service and participating with the workbook and the devotional. They all work together in this 40 days in the word journey. But how far you travel in this journey is really up to you. It all depends how much you're willing to invest in the process. Remember the series that we ended 2022 with? It was called In It to Win It. That uh, passage was 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It said that, that, that do you not know or don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person receives the prize, so run to win. Part of your running to win in 2023 is that you're gonna have to create some space rearrange the schedule, to get involved in a seven-week group, to do the workbook, to do the daily devotional, because this is the year that you're running to win. Amen? Amen. All right, so I want to encourage you to do exactly that. The scripture passage that will put us forward, push us forward in our journey is found in Matthew 7. Jesus said it this way, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a man who builds his house upon the rock. Let's pray. Lord, Let something significant happen among us today. And in the next seven weeks, I pray that it would change who we are at the core of our being. I pray that you would change us. Lord, your word says, Philippians 1, that that we are confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue that work until it is perfected, until the day of Christ Jesus. And so because you started the work, now we look to you to continue the work in us. Make us more like you, we pray. 
Holy Spirit, have your way among us. Be with the offering as it is received. Let it go towards us being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and in the work that we do around the world, we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Let's ask an important question this morning. What are you building your life on? What is the foundation you're building your life on? If you're a homeowner, you know that in a new home, there's this thing called settling. And now if you're a first-time homeowner, that can cause issues because when the house settles, the house cracks. And, and you can look at the cracks and you can think, well, there's, there's problems here, but cracking is somewhat normal. And under normal situation, a decent handyman can fix those cracks out of sight, out of, out of mind, and they can take care of that quite easily. You'll have no further issues. Unless the crack comes back. And if the crack keeps coming back, longer, wider, right, deeper than before, then the repair that you just did, it it may hold if you do it again for another three to six months, but eventually the crack is going to reappear. Reappearing cracks are a symptom of a much bigger problem. That bigger problem is a foundation issue. And if you only address the cracks, meaning if you do not address the foundation issue, then you will be a homeowner that spends their time and effort constantly fixing cracks when you should be fixing a foundation. Matthew 7, listen to it again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise woman who built their house upon the rock. It's a good metaphor for 2023 as we kick off a new year. Because in life, it is inevitable, we're all gonna crack, right? At, at, at some point, we all, we all have decisions that we made that, that we regret or mistakes, right? And, and, and we bear the scars and we bear some of the blemishes and the cracks from these decisions. But the severity of these cracks and the amount of cracks and whether or not the crack comes back is determined by the foundation that we build our lives upon moving forward. The foundation is what determines if you spend more time enjoying the life you built or covering the cracks in the life you built. Personal cracks, family cracks, moral cracks, financial cracks, spiritual cracks, relationship cracks. And we can spend all of our time trying to plaster over, cover over these cracks but the cracks are not the problem. The cracks are a symptom of a much bigger issue. In other words, if your new relationship is beginning to feel and look a lot like your old relationship, the crack is not the issue. If your new job is beginning to feel and look a lot like your old job, that crack is not the issue. If your new financial situation is beginning to resemble your old financial situation, the crack may not be the issue. The crack may just be a symptom of a much bigger problem. See, I don't care how much hot mud you use to cover the crack. If your foundation is shifting, then your walls are cracking. There's no other way around it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise woman who built their house on the rock. Matthew 7 is the culmination 
of a large teaching that Jesus began in Matthew 5. You've probably heard of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and he's building this very vivid picture of what life looks like when he is the foundation that you build upon. And so he kind of builds this thing up and then he kind of wraps it all up at the end of chapter 7 where he says, now what are you going to do with the information that you just received? Let me read the entire passage to you, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, in other words, Jesus is saying, look, I know I just said a lot and I hope you've been paying attention and puts them into practice as like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down and the stream rose and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Let's start start the new year with some comparisons in this parable that Jesus gives. The first thing I want you to understand is that there are two men who have exactly the same dream. They want to build a house. Now, now, in Scripture, building a house doesn't mean literally building a house. It can refer to a lot of different things. For example, it could refer to building a life. Right? Two men had the same dream. They wanted to build a life that was worth living. They wanted a life that mattered. They wanted a life of substance. They wanted a life of weight. They wanted a life that was blessed, which is what every one of us in this room wants. They, they wanted to build something that mattered. They had a dream, just as you have a dream. We're all looking for the same thing. This thing called life, regardless of how you define it, we're all looking for life. A house can also refer to a family, like the house of David in Scripture. Two men with the same dream. The same as our dream. They want to build a family that is unified and loving and supportive. It is common to all of us. We all have the same exact dream. Second thing they had in common is they were religious men. We could say that they even went to the same church because they heard exactly the same message. They heard the same message given from the same messenger, right? Jesus said, two men heard the same message that I gave, right? Large crowd, Jesus said a lot of things. He's basically asking, which person are you gonna be? So they had the same dream, They went to the same church, heard the same message from the same messenger. They were consumers of spiritual information. Same dream, same church, same message, same messenger. And then notice that they encountered the same storm. Right? They have this in common. The same category storm hit both people. Now, storms in the Bible refer to trials and hardship and struggles and difficulties, tension, stress, unfavorable circumstances, storms that are uncontrollable, storms that you didn't see coming, storms that you thought were over. We all face the same storms. You can't run from them. You can't hide from them. Eventually, the storm of fallen humanity will find you. Emotional storms and health storms and relationship storms and financial storms and family storms. So notice, same dream. Notice, same church, same message, same messenger, same storm. But this is where the comparisons end in Jesus' parable. And this is where the contrasts begin because one is called wise and the other 
is called a fool. Harsh words by sweet Jesus. One is called wise and the other is called a fool. Now in scripture, please listen, to be wise has nothing to do with your education. To be wise has nothing to do with your academic credentials. To be wise simply means that you have the ability to apply truth to life's realities. That's what wisdom is. The ability to apply truth to life's realities or whatever circumstances you find yourself in. That means foolishness then is the inability to apply, or maybe this is even better, the refusal to apply truth to your circumstances. And you can kind of see where Jesus is going. It's like, look, I said a lot of good stuff right now. But if you refuse to apply the truth that you just heard, there's a word for you. Foolish. Same dream, same church, same message, same storm. But one is called wise and the other is called a fool. Therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts, uh, of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. But the other side of it, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And this is where we find the distinction in the parable. Both heard but only one really listened. Both heard, but only one acted. And then look at the results, right? For the one that heard and did, the rain came down and the streams rose up and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. But the one who built on the sand, it said the same rain came down, the same streams rose and the same wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Maybe the best thing that we can hear in 2023 is that not all foundations are equal. And if you think they are, you may be setting yourself up for a great crash. Same dream, same church, same message, same messenger. One heard, one did with drastically different Results. Listen, please. The stability of your foundation is determined by your application, not the information. You can gather as much information as you want, but that does not build your foundation. It is the application that builds the foundation. The power, please hear me, the power in this 40 Days in the Word series that we're doing, the power is not in hearing. The power is in doing. In life, application only occurs when we come to believe, when we are convinced that God knows something I don't. And until you think you know as much or more than him, you will hear but not do. Because you think you know more. Than he does. Listen, application is the movement required to activate the information acquired. Let me say that again. Application is the movement required to activate the information acquired. Think of it this way. Several rooms in the church have motion light detectors, meaning that the light will not come on until the, the detector detects Motion. Motion is what allows the power to do what the power was intended to do. But if there is no motion, then there is no light. The source is there. The power is there. But there's no flow 
until there's movement. Now, let me tell you what's happening right now at this moment. God's word is going out. God's truth is going out, meaning the source of power is here. The power is here, but there is no flow until there is movement. If there is no movement application, then there is no power. Not in your life. If the person next to you that hears the same message as you, if they put application and movement to the word, the light will come on for them. Doesn't mean it will come on for you. No application, no power. Application is the movement required to activate the information acquired. James says it like this. Hey, don't merely listen to the word. Don't merely listen to the information. And then he says, and deceive yourself. He says, do what it says. Now, James is saying this. Please hear me. James is saying that most of us are educated beyond our level of obedience. James is saying, you know more than what you do. I know more than what I do. And James says, that's a problem. Most of us have more revelation, understanding, than application. So James says, if, if you begin to develop a pattern of hearing and not doing, James says, you are deceiving yourself because you actually believe that sitting in a row on January 8th, 2023 is somehow going to do something. But James says, it has the potential. But you're going to have to put some movement You're going to have to put some application to what you hear. But if you think that just being here is what's going to spark the change and what's going to build the foundation, James says, you have deceived yourself. So what does that that look like for you today? Today, it seems that there's a lot of people in the church. Let's not talk about our church. Let's talk about other churches. It seems that there's a lot of people that want God on the cheap. Right, they, they, they want to invest as little as possible, but they want the full return. Right? They, 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 they go to God and they say, God, we want you to give me the blessing. We want you to walk through the house we built, the life we built. We want you to walk through the house. We want to give us validation. We want you to walk through the life we built. We want you to bless it, and then we want you to keep moving. We want you on the cheap. Or I, 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 want, I want you to look at it and say, blessed, but don't plan on staying here. We want God on the cheap. Respectfully, respectfully. See, I haven't preached in four weeks, so I'm coming at you hard this morning. I'll be nice next week. Respectfully, if you hear, but don't do, then I'm guessing that you have as many cracks in your life as someone who does not hear at all. Because hearing isn't the answer. And then somehow we're surprised when the cracks appear and reappear because we think acquiring information should fix the split. And everywhere in scripture it says information doesn't do it. Now you may be able to cover it. And you may be able to hot mud over it. You may even give yourself the impression and lie to yourself that you've dealt with it. But the real problem If it's a foundation, the crack comes back. The Leaning Tower of Pisa was built in 1275. Uh, It really doesn't serve any purpose, right? 1275, it was built. Uh, It it leans because its foundation 
is shifting. Builders noticed the lean once they got to the third story. Several attempts were made to correct it and each of them failed. Some of them made it worse. And now uh, it is good for nothing else but to be a tourist attraction. And people come from around the world to watch a tower lean and hope that they might just be there when the tower falls. Hey, can I just respectfully tell you, tell myself, you do not want your life to be a tourist attraction where people stop and stare to watch you lean in hopes that somehow they may get some statistic pleasure out of being around when you finally fall. But if your foundation is shifty, you're probably leaning. But you don't want your life to be a tourist attraction. So before we push forward, let me ask an important question. How's your foundation? How is your foundation? Today, how is your foundation? Are you the wise man? Are you the wise woman in our story? Or are you playing the part of a fool? And listen, it did not become apparent of who was wise and who was fool until the storm came. Because when the sun is shining, everything looks tight and right. When life is moving up and to the right, you and your neighbor, that different foundations, the life could look exactly the same. But storms have a way of revealing the foundation and what life is built upon. Let me read this passage out of the message paraphrase because I like the imagery. Jesus says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock and the rain poured down and the river flooded and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, then you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach And a storm rolled in and the waves came up and it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard any teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite the contrast to the religious teachers. How's your foundation today, church? How's your foundation? So how how do we, in this 40 Days of the Word series that we're on, how do we begin to take the word of truth and how do we begin to build our lives upon that? Not just hearing, but doing. Let me me kind of give you some ideas on what that looks like. The the, the first thing is we we need to be in a position to receive the truth. Meaning we need to hear it, right? Paul says in Romans 10 that faith comes from hearing, right? So we have, to, we have to hear it every time you're here on a Sunday. You're doing a good thing because you've positioned yourself to hear the word of God and there is potential in that, right? Your, your faith has the potential to be built up depending if you become a doer or not, depending on what you do with the seed of truth that is being planted in you right now, right? Now, what you do with the seed that is being sown out right now, I'm, you know, the seed is being sown, what you do with the seed largely depends on the condition of the soil of your heart. Let me show you what I mean. In scripture, the, the gospel message, the word of God, the message of God is often, often referred to as a seed, and Jesus gives this parable 
of a farmer or a sower and the seed in Luke 4. Let's read it. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering seed and some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Here's just a few things to understand about our parable. The seed in the parable is the gospel message. It's the good news, right? The euangelion is what it means. What is the good news when we, when we see it in Scripture? What does the gospel mean? It means good news. What is the good news? The good news is that God is active in redeeming humanity, right? That Jesus is, is the answer to our sin problem. The seed is the gospel message. Jesus is the farmer. And I say that because I want you to notice in the parable where the farmer sows seed, Now, when we sow seed, we plant where we think we have the best possibility of a harvest. Jesus throws the seed everywhere. Doesn't matter. He's just throwing the seed wherever he goes in hopes that even one seed may find some soil that is ripe. And so today, the seed is going out. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is just casting seed to everyone in hopes that you may have some soil that is good and it may begin to take root. In our story, there is one seed. There is one sower, but there are many types of soil. And so the question is this. When people say that they tried God, but God didn't work for them, was the problem the seed? Was the problem the sower? Or was the problem the soil? We've all heard the excuse, right? God didn't work for me. Well, I have no doubt. That could very well be possible. But the bigger question is, what was the issue? See, why, why can I read the same passage of Scripture at one point and it stirs me to life, and if I'm wrapped in my sin, I read the same passage of Scripture and it stirs me to, to sleep? Is it the sower? Is it the seed or is it the soil? James said it like this. You may know this, My beloved brothers and sisters, now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted. Receive the truth implanted, which is able to save your soul. So how do we we receive? We said first we need to hear. Well, hearing seems like it would be easy. But how do we prepare our hearts to hear? Well, the first thing James says, hey, we, we, need to, we need to practice some solitude and silence in listening. We need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. We need to learn to be quiet because the world's too loud. In other words, we never give God opportunity to speak because there's always noise that's competing with his voice. And maybe over the next seven weeks, one of the best things that you'll learn to do is to provide some space for silence. Space to be quiet and to listen 
to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Learn to be quiet and slow yourself down. It says be slow to anger. In other words, learn to calm your emotions. Because if you're anxious and angry and frustrated and irritated, you can't hear, you certainly can't receive. See, what I can promise you is that if you got in a big blowout fight with your kids or your, you know, your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your house, or your, 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 your husband, your wife, right? If you got here and you had a big blowout, you're not in the best place to receive. So we need to learn to calm our emotions. I would, I would suggest that somehow you figure out a way that you can prepare yourself before you come to church. A couple minutes, five minutes, whatever that looks like for you. Walk around the block, go take a seat in the garage, take a bath, take a shower, whatever, and just kind of to ask the Holy Spirit, come and calm my emotions and I can focus on what it is that you're about to do. He goes on to say, you know this. My beloved brothers and sisters, now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and that remains of wickedness. Right? So we need, to, we need to learn to be quiet. We need to learn to be calm. And then we need to practice being clean. Ridding yourself of all filthiness. In other words, I can't have a bunch of junk in my life that's choking out the information that I'm receiving, the truth of God's word, and expect for that word to take root. Right? The idea here between this filthiness and that remains of wickedness, it's literally a moral, I'm sorry, a moral filth that soils or desecrates the soul. How do you do that? How do we begin to put aside all filth and wickedness? You're going to have to do some weeding. You're going to have to prepare the soil. You're going to have to break up the hardened ground of the heart. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Right? You know that if your mind is con continually filled with pornography or hatred or unforgiveness or, 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 or greed or whatever it might be, you know that when your mind is consumed, you're not in a position to receive. When your soul is polluted, you're not in a position to receive. And so James says, hey, 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 we need to, we need to, be, we need to be deliberate and proactive in this thing of getting rid of the weeds that want to naturally grow in our lives. How do you do that? Well, the Bible talks about this thing called confession. Confession is agreeing with God. Confession is going before God and saying, God, I agree with you. What, what, what I did, it's wrong, it's sinful, and I'm repenting, I'm turning, I'm going the other way. I'm, I'm rooting up the weeds so I do not return to that lifestyle. Now, some of that repentance may need to be taken a step further. You may need to confess to another person that will help keep you accountable. You may need to find some counseling to help to keep you from growing, going back to that particular area of life. Confession. And then James says, in humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your soul. Here's the fourth thing that I need. I need to learn to be humble if I'm going to receive from God. Remember the definition of a foolish person was the refusal, the refusal to apply truth to life's reality. 
And one of the roots that causes us to refuse God's truth is because we simply think we know better. Or we think that God wants me to be happy and so God turns a blind eye to that activity because God's priority in my life is he wants me happy. You know what? God wants you blessed. But you will not step out from under his covering and receive that blessing. And so do we approach God's word with a prideful attitude? We cannot approach scripture by saying, God, you tell me what to do and then I'll decide if I want to do it. That's pride. We approach God's word by saying, you tell me what to do, and my answer is yes. Because you're the master, I'm the servant. You must increase, I must decrease. That's the challenge of being a Christ follower. So we have to receive the word, we hear it, but then there's another component, and this will wrap it up, we have to see it, right? In other words, you actually have to read the Bible, Like spend some time. It's why we're putting a devotional in your hand so you can start to read scripture. Something happens when you just don't hear it, but you begin to read it on a regular basis. Look what what James says happens when we hear and read it. We begin to see something. Watch what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but but does not do what it says is like someone who looks, sees, at his face in the mirror, and then after looking at himself or herself, goes away and immediately forgets what he or she looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, continues looking, not forgetting what they have heard, what they have saw, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Hey, I'm guessing that you're here because you want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed. And so scripture is trying to give us a a, a, a kind of a a pattern of how we position ourselves to be blessed, right? James says this. Let me just highlight this on verse 23, 24. Anyone who listens or hears to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks or sees his face in the mirror and after looking goes away and immediately forgets what he or she looks like. Catch the imagery that's being used here, and then we'll begin to wrap this up. The purpose of a mirror is to accurately reflect what you look like. And so when you begin to read scripture, you begin to see a reflection of yourself. Now, something begins to happen there, right? All of us, I'm assuming, spent some time looking in a mirror this morning. And if you didn't, we can tell, okay? You looked in a mirror this morning, and I know exactly how long you looked in that mirror this morning. You looked until it got better. (laughs) Or at least until it got as good as it could get, right? With the time that you have to apply. So scripture says that when when we read, when we hear, when we see the word of God, it's like looking in a mirror and we begin to see our imperfections. We begin to see some things like, oh, I really should do something about that zit on my cheek, right? I really should should probably put some product in my hair because it's a mess. We begin to see imperfections. We begin to see our fallen nature. There's two parts of this. We see our fallen nature, our imperfection, our ugliness that lies within. We see the sin that separates us from God and the areas of life that we need to surrender. But catch this part. It also reflects my renewed nature, 
See, God doesn't want to just use scripture to pile on you to say, look how, look how ugly you are. Because ultimately what scripture is doing, it's, it should be reflecting our new nature, the new nature that came when you said yes to Jesus. The new nature where God says you are an overcomer. The new nature where God says the old you is no longer the real you. The new nature where God says my spirit lives inside of you. That is also what is being reflected when you see the word of God. But you won't hear it and you won't see it unless you place it in front of you. Two, two reflections. The old me, the new me. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but by doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. One of the early scripture passages that I read, let me have the band come up as we're getting ready to close. One of the early scripture passages that I read, uh, that I memorized, I was probably 15, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then here's the promise. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. You want to prosper? I know you do. You want to have success in life? I know you do. You want to have success in your relationships? I know you do. And scripture says, hey, 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 here, here's, here's the key. You meditate on it. When you meditate on it, you become a doer of it. And when you become a doer, that motion activates the potential of what is contained within God's word. We'll close with the message again. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house upon a solid rock and the rain poured down and the river flooded and the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies or Sunday morning church and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his life on a sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. 40 Days in the Word. It starts today. 